0: This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'd like to welcome everyone to the worship of the Lord Christ this morning, especially if you are visiting with us today. You are our honored guest in the house of the Lord. And if everyone could take a moment to sign the Friendship Register, and if you're visiting to give us some additional information, such as your email address and telephone number, After worship, everyone is invited to coffee hour, which this morning will be in the garden room, so you can make your way through these doors and through the breezeway and find some coffee and refreshments. And yesterday was Veterans Day, and we are grateful for all the veterans of this country who serve us faithfully. And it is because of of their sacrifice that we're able to come together together on Sunday mornings and able to worship without fear, and so we are grateful for all those who served in the armed forces that give us freedom to worship as God so calls our conscience. And now we have a moment for mission from Elizabeth Darst.
1: Good morning. I'm Elizabeth Darst, a co-chair of the 80th annual Brick Church Fair. Today, I am honored to tell you about the mission of the Brick Church Fair. Since the fair's inception in 1943, the fair has grown into a spectacular multi-day event that only comes together as a result of Brick's dedicated community and hundreds of volunteer hours. This year, the fair will be held on Monday, November 13th from 5 o'clock p.m. to 8 o'clock p.m. with the opening night cocktail party that evening on Tuesday, November 14th from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., and also on Wednesday, November 15th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. The fair's primary goal is to support vital outreach. With proceeds from the fair, the Women's Association is able to provide meaningful annual grants to seven organizations supporting women, children, and the elderly in nearby neighborhoods. These organizations include Adolescent Health Center at Mount Sinai, Carter Burden Center for the Aging, Urban Outreach Center, Neighborhood Coalition for Shelter, New York Common Pantry, Search and Care, and Stanley Isaacs Neighborhood Center. The fair also supports a number of vital inreach programs at BRICS, such as Parents Morning Out and the TLC Committee. Enjoy getting a head start on your Christmas and holiday gift shopping, and remember, the purchases you make with our fair vendors also touch the lives of our friends and neighbors here in New York City. Thank you on behalf of my co-chairs, Kelly Milam, Eliza McLaughlin, and Katie Eshelman, all of our dedicated volunteers, and especially on behalf of the people who have been served by these ministries for 80 years and counting. Thank you.
2: Please rise and join me in the call to worship. God called to Jonah to get up, go to Nineveh and proclaim God's word. But Jonah refused until God called a second time. God is persistent. God believes in those whom God has called. Jesus called the disciples by the lakeshore. They left their families and jobs to follow Jesus. Lord, give us the courage to follow you all of our lives. Amen. Mm-hmm.
3: Please join your hearts with mine in a word of prayer. Gracious and holy God, your presence is like a beautiful morning. In it and by it, we are invigorated, we are energized, and we are brought into a new kind of life, the truest kind of life. Help us, O God, to recognize your glory in all things, for you are in all things. And today, as we hear your word and sing your praise, give us hearts that desire nothing more than to adore you. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus, who teaches us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Sustainer. So let us now join our voices and confess together our sin. Lord, you have loved us immeasurably through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He has blessed us with salvation, but we have sought other paths to find meaning and hope. We have allowed our fears to erode our trust in you and the path to life that you have given us. Give us strength to live as people of your way, filled with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, hear and believe the good news, that nothing, no nothing, will separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. And now, as we are forgiven and reconciled to God through Christ Jesus, let us be reconciled to one another. The peace of the Lord Christ be with you all. Let us greet one another in the name of Christ.
2: This time, would all children come forward for a children's message? Please join me at the steps. Good morning. How are you? Good. Grab a seat anywhere. Make yourselves comfortable. Stuffed animals and all. Good morning. I have a question for you all, or maybe a few. But has anybody ever heard the name Jonah from the Bible? A couple of you? Does anybody remember anything about Jonah? Oh, close. How about? Jonah got swallowed by a whale. Many times... That's one of the things that we remember most about this person named Jonah. But let me teach you one simple thing that will be read today and that Pastor Tom will be preaching on. God called to a person named Jonah and asked him to go to a city and tell the people that they were being wicked Does anybody know a word that might be easier for us to understand than wicked? Your hand was up first. Evil, a good one. How about one for some of our littler students? Tell me. I know what wicked means. Oh, what does wicked mean? Bad. Bad, perfect, bad. One, because I have a four-and-a-half-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old, a a word that came to me was maybe naughty. Have you ever been told you were being naughty? Who here has been naughty? I've been a little naughty. Come on. Everybody everybody in this church has been naughty, right? But so what God did was ask Jonah to go to this city and say, Stop being naughty. Stop being mean to each other and start loving each other. But Jonah was really scared because that takes a lot of bravery, right? So Jonah, or stage fright, but bravery, Jonah got scared, didn't want to do it, So he ran away. But you know what? God kept him safe and said, Jonah, I need you to do this for me. Please go and tell them to stop being mean. And you know what? Jonah went to those people and said, please stop being mean, stop being wicked, stop being naughty to each other. And they did, and God forgave all of them. So what I want to share with you all is that sometimes... God uses us to be the people who help tell other people to stop being mean. What are some ways that you might be able to help tell others to stop being mean or, let's say, naughty? Yeah. Stop being mean. Maybe if you see one of your friends push somebody, you can say it's not good to push people. Maybe if you saw somebody littering trash on the sidewalk... You could tell them, you know, it's not really nice to the planet to be littering. Hmm? Yep, do not litter. What else might be something? Go for it. Not what other people? Do not hurt other people. So these are all examples of things that we can help God by telling others not to do. So will you all help with that? You think we can do that? We can change the world one person at a time. Will you all join your hands together? Bow your heads, close your eyes, and repeat after me. Dear God, we thank you for Jonah and his kind message. Help us to remember to share that message too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all so much. Now you can go to Sunday school. See you all later.
4: God's story of salvation is replete with individuals of questionable integrity and dubious devotion. Jonah is the quintessential example while also being a delightful story with a giant fish, animals wearing sackcloth, and a plant's meager shade that God uses to torment Jonah for his whimpering attitude. And yet, despite this story's deliberately farcical tone, it confronts a central sin of our time while revealing the core of God. God of the ages, as we listen to this passage, may its ancient themes show us the current path to faithfulness. Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came up upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had laiden down and was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, what are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. The sailors said to one another, come, let us cast slots so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast slots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I am a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them so. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quieten down for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quieten down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. The word of the Lord.
0: because of the disney story of pinocchio we're tempted to think of jonah as a children's story a lighthearted tale of the adventures of a person who eventually heeds god's call but we need to take this story much more seriously as a message for each one of us and yet when we read scripture it's All too easy to think that taking it seriously means that there's no humor to be found. But what makes Jonah great literature is it's one of the most intriguing, fun, and clever books with outlandish situations and filled with absurdity. Prayers from a fish's belly, animals wearing sackcloth, people sleeping in the middle of a storm, and Jonah wishing for death at the end of the story because he misses the shade of a plant. Furthermore, Jonah's comically shallow attitude uh, contains nothing redeeming about his character whatsoever. Making his cowardly actions well, making it all the more remarkable that God chooses to use Jonah in the plan of salvation and which should hearten each one of us, because if God can use Jonah, then God surely can use me and you. However, through its structure and storytelling, the book of Jonah is also one of the most pointed and challenging for each one of us as we seek to be faithful to God's calling. Ultimately, we'll find the story might hit all too close to home. It begins, of course, when God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh and Jonah refuses. Now, most of us, running from God is a metaphor, but for Jonah, it was a track meet. As soon as he got this call, he packed his bags and went in the exact opposite direction that God told him to go in. No subtlety with Jonah whatsoever. Now, in one form or another, we've all run away from God's call. Perhaps it was a new job. Perhaps it was to serve on the local school board. Perhaps it was something more life-altering, like the need to, to move to a new location or the difficulty of deciding what to do with an aging parent. You knew what God was calling you to do, but you just didn't want to do it. (laughs) But we'd have to try awfully hard to be as faithless as Jonah was. As Jonah kept running, he found himself on a boat with some strangers. God sends a storm. Jonah knows it's God trying to turn him around in the other direction, But Jonah fails to tell his fellow sailors, endangering their lives. But Jonah not only refuses to tell the people on the boat "Boat, it's his fault, but he also fails in another regard. The other sailors pray to their gods, but Jonah doesn't pray to Yahweh. Perhaps he's afraid for he knows that it might mean turning around and heading in the direction God has called him to go. Now, desperate at this point, the sailors cast lots to try to figure out who's to blame, and the lots fall on Jonah, as we know. And at this point, Jonah actually shows a little humanity, but still an extremely stubborn streak. Perhaps at this point, you and I might finally be ready to listen and say, hey, fellas, yeah, it's my fault. Could you turn this boat around? I need to make my way to Nineveh. But instead, Jonah says, throw me into the sea, and it will calm down. Jonah would rather die than do what God is asking him to do. But like great humor, there is something more profound, lurking right beneath the surface. It exposes his motivations and our own sometimes weak faith. Jonah hates the Ninevites with every fiber of his being. And it's hard to blame Jonah. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and they were ruthless. They committed endless atrocities in their visions of empire. They destroyed portions of Israel. They deported 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel. And listen to this historical account of how the Assyrians often ended their victories in battle. A captured city was usually burnt and plundered. Its site was denuded by the killing of trees, and the loyalty of the troops was secured by dividing the plunders amongst them. And after battle, The captured prisoners were dispatched, forced to kneel on the ground with their backs to their captors as they were slaughtered indiscriminately. The story sounds all too familiar, doesn't it? Jonah went in the exact opposite direction of God because he wanted the exact opposite that God did. He hated them enough to want all of them to perish from God's Old Testament wrath. Fire, brimstone, and hellfire destruction is what he wanted for them. And sadly, we see some of this same hatred today. Jewish students' lives in this country are being threatened. Reuters reported following incidents from around the world. In Los Angeles, a man screaming, kill the Jews, attempts to break into a family's home. In London, girls on a playground are told they are expletive, Jews and should stay off the slide. And in China, post-likening Jews to parasites, vampires, and snakes proliferate on social media with thousands of likes. But we also see tragic hatred of Muslims as well. A Muslim mother in Illinois asked her landlord to pray for peace. And her landlord killed her six-year-old son because of it. So in the end, Jonah tells us exactly why he didn't want to go. O Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my country? That is why I fled to Tarshish in the beginning, for I knew that you were a gracious God. I knew that you were slow to anger and plenteous in mercy and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for I would rather die than live. Jonah knows God. He prays to the Lord. He thanked God for being delivered from the belly of the fish with great and lofty words of praise and glory. He offered the sailors an orthodox creed of faith. He professed Lord of all things. It's easy to worship God when things are going our way. Like when we're being rescued, when God's will conforms to our own, it's easy to worship. But the crux of the story takes place because Jonah knew God all too well. Jonah wasn't ready to let go of his hatred. So, as a result, this story ends very much like that of the prodigal son. At the end of the prodigal son's story, the elder brother stands outside while everyone else is inside celebrating and throwing a party. But the elder brother refuses to forgive his brother. And so for Jonah, who refuses to relinquish his hatred, at the end of the story, finds himself in the blazing hot sun, ready to die from heat prostration. And so Jonah is that part in each one of us that really doesn't want to see our enemies find peace and wholeness. We want them to lose their business. We want their crops to fail. We want their lives to fall apart. And that's the anger we see on the streets. That's the anger I imagine that's burning in the hearts of innocent Israelis and the innocent civilians of Gaza. I don't pretend to know the answer to that political situation. But I do know What God calls each one of us to do when we face our enemies. And Nadine Collier showed us the way. In 2015, her mother was one of those murdered by Dylan Roof in Charleston, South Carolina, at the African, Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church during, of all things, a Bible study. She would have understood Jonah's feelings towards Nineveh, what they had done, but unlike Jonah, she doesn't run from God's call. She didn't shy away from Jesus' command to repay evil with good. And so, with great courage, she faced Dylan Roof, and said, I forgive you. But even more, she realized that God is the ultimate source of forgiveness, and so she went on. You took something very precious from me. I will never get to speak to my mother again. I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But if God forgives you, I forgive you. So Jonah is not a quaint story about a fish and some people that lies at the very core and heart of the good news of the gospel. And eventually, of course, Jonah finally gives in and preaches what must have been the most lackluster sermon in the history of the world, also the shortest and also the most effective word for word. Here was the entirety of the message he preached to the Ninevites. Forty days and more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Well, despite Jonah's best efforts, the Ninevites repented. And God's plan, the redemption of 120,000 people from Nineveh, Came to pass. Let's every one of us examine what is in our heart and seek for God to use it to share his mercy and his love. Amen.
5: As we are able, shall we rise for our affirmation of faith? And this morning's affirmation of faith comes to us from the Heidelberg Catechism, 1563. Christian, how are you righteous before God? Only by true faith in Jesus Christ. Although my conscience accuses me that I have grievously sinned against all God's commandments, have never kept any of them, and I'm still inclined to all evil, yet God, without any merit of my own, out of mere grace, imputes to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. God grants these to me As if I had never had nor committed any sin, and as if I myself had accomplished all the obedience which Christ has rendered for me, if only I accept this gift with a believing heart. As we gather ourselves as a community in prayer, we also want you to have the opportunity to offer your personal prayers confidentially. Immediately following worship, a member of the prayer partners team will be available at the front of the sanctuary to pray with you. And we invite all to feel free and come forward for prayer. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. We thank you, God of heaven and earth, that you've revealed to your people the mystery of the gospel in Holy Scripture, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that your will for the nations will be furthered, that you would reconcile all the church to yourself through Christ's death and resurrection, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would forgive us of our sins and deliver us from all evil, that we might worship you with a clear conscience, in spirit and in truth. Compassionate God, infuse us with Christ's compassion for our ministry in the world, especially among those who don't know you, God, Grant us divine patience and grace as we fulfill our respective callings so that in all things God's love may be seen and felt by those to whom we've been sent. Hear us, God, when we call and guide us both in our journey of faith and our faithful witness in the world. Thank you for your deep care for souls and for staying true to all your promises of salvation even today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. As we come to a time of giving, please let's be reminded of this. With thankfulness, with thankfulness we give in gratitude and joy. With prayerfulness we give in sacrifice and love. With hopefulness we give in commitment to God. As recipients of God's abundant life in Christ, we offer our gifts to God. With gladness, let us now present the offerings of our life and labor to God. Amen. please join your hearts with mine in prayer. We thank you, O God, for you sustain all living things by your eternal power. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, who was anointed with your Holy Spirit. By his own death and resurrection, Christ set us free from sin and death and opened the way to eternal life. Therefore, in joyful obedience to your Son, we celebrate our fellowship in him in faith. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit, be glory and honor, now and forevermore. Amen.
0: Of faith is sometimes a complex one, and it's that moment in which we're ready to have our hearts hurt for the needs of the world, in which God heals our own, in which God promises that peace will come to us. And so now, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord both now and forever, amen.